1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about David Carradine, whose death, uh, the anniversary of his death, his one-year anniversary, was just, it just passed. It was in June. And um, my guest today is Marina Anderson. She is um, what, perhaps the most devoted of his uh, several wives, uh, married to David for six years. She's the author of the new book, David Carradine, The Eye of My Tornado. And um, I must say, I literally did not put the book down except for it sleeping a few hours. <laughs> but I even got up in the middle of the night and read a little bit. And then oh, my goodness. Back to sleep. Um, it's a fascinating book. Um, why don't you, Marina, tell... Uh, give people, since, you know, this is heard all over the world, um, why don't you give sort of a short bio of David so people can... So everyone who's listening can can place him.
3: Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, d- David's... Um... He had, I'd say he has many claimed fame, but um most notable is his the role as Qui Cheng Kane from the series Kung Fu. And then uh they did Kung Fu The Legend Continues in nineteen ninety two and that's um where I, I worked on the show with David. Um but he also did the long riders and Bound for Glory and of course Kill Bill. So he he has over maybe two hundred films in his repertoire and um cult followings, Death Race, um it just a whole slew of films that that pe- people recognize david for
2: and, and he won um, he was nominated for awards um especially yes. most most recently for the for kill bill
3: for golden globe right and and as well as Bound for glory and um so he he is quite a uh, quite an accomplished Actor, and then he, he's a composer and director and producer. His movie Americana uh, won uh, Director's Fortnight in Cannes Film Festival. I mean, he is just an amazing, amazing talent.
2: And, um yes, he's left quite a legacy. I mean, I, I was, I, I didn't know that he did other things, that uh, he, he did music besides acting, and of course you're right about that. Um,
3: yeah. Yes Actually, he had a, a a pet project. It was called uh, Matahari, and um, his daughter Kalista played Matahari, and it was never finished. But he wrote the whole uh, score to the movie, and um, uh, just phenomenal. And he had a, a band off and on through throughout his years, and um, just the most wonderful songs. I mean, I, I love the music to this day, and, and I miss hearing it. And uh, yeah, he was just a, a really an amazing talent.
2: Um, and of course, Kill Bill and and the other movies that you talked about, his other works, television and so on, did go around
3: the world. I didn't. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. He, you he, did, know, it's just that um, international icon. There wasn't a place that we traveled that he wasn't recognized.
2: Yes. Yes. You wrote about that. All the people following you in your yes. limo and all that. Um, well, certainly, unfortunately, tragically, um, what he has most recently been known for was his incredibly tragic and mysterious. Death a year ago. Yes, and let's start with that before we go into the beautiful, uh, well, the eye of the tornado. It was, <laughs> it was, um, it was beautiful and difficult. <laughs> um, Definitely, and many, many different levels of your of your love story. It still was a love story. It was just a very tumultuous one. Um, but before we go into that, I, I think that you make some. You did some research. Uh, into his death because of course it was, even though you had been divorced by then, it was still incredibly painful and shocking. uh, It was. To hear about it and, and the manner in which it occurred and so on. So tell us about that.
3: Well, it, it, it it was, it was an incredible shock. I mean, I, I knew David was back into the alcohol shortly after we separated, so I thought his liver gave out. And then when I heard what I heard on the news about uh, the circumstances, I was, I was in total shock. However, as I said to the press, the basic scenario did not surprise me and I'm very open about that in the book. Um what really bothered me in the press was they were just exploiting that circumstance and they weren't getting behind um causes and why people would indulge in an activity like that, meaning the sexual asphyxiation. And
2: um Yeah, oh, auto erratic um Asphyxiation, where, which is um, sort of a, uh, something that some people, and unfortunately, uh, even, even teens and some children Yes, um, the choking
3: game, as they call it. Yes. They have no idea how dangerous that is. Yes. And, um, I, I, you know, I try to look at this more as a, a spiritual overview in that, um, maybe part of the, the purpose behind him passing in this slide is because he is such an incredibly known icon that this is going to draw more attention to the subject to help save some lives here. And I kind of felt it was like my little mini-mission, like he almost handed the baton over to me and said, okay, Marina, you've got to run with this like you've done with everything else and um help people, and, and you've got to, you know, this is one reason why I added it to the book.
2: Yes, and let me just, for people, let me just auto- um Erotic asphyxiation is, is, is indulged in by some people in order to um, to to hi, uh, intensify uh, orgasm um, and um, by self stimulation and by depriving oneself of some oxygen um, it can work to do that but it is uh, there is a very fine line. <laughs> between um, orgasm and death uh, because obviously if the brain is deprived, depending upon how much time the brain is deprived of oxygen and how much uh, oxygen it is deprived of, um it is it is certainly an incredibly incredibly dangerous g- well so-called game um not really to be done by anyone um and don't try this at home I'm means yes, you know exactly um, and and
3: people i had this one woman emailed to me that her husband died of a heart attack after and he survived the accident yes. and it, it he had a heart attack after so uh,
2: it, it's incredibly dangerous. and um, But now you write in the book, um, when you said that you told the press that this wasn't, the basic scenario wasn't something, well, because let, let's sort of back up, that um, David was found um, allegedly in a hotel room mm-hmm. in Thailand where he was shooting a movie, um, in a closet <laughs> naked, tied up to um, the closet rack, the closet... Um, what would you call the, the,
3: that?
2: The, the closed bar. The closed bar. Yeah, um, and um, you know, in a position that they that they presumed was related to his um, engaging in autoerotic uh, asphyxiation. However, you say in, in the book that when you were with him um you were you never knew him to engaged or to like uh, masturbation he liked it when when you preferably uh, when he was with someone else that he didn't usually do this right that that's
3: that's the one of the things one of the, the things that that didn't strike right with me because um, it wasn't as it, it, like the previous wife, Gail, who went to the press and said, oh, she would walk in the room and and he would be in this position tied up by himself and like, you know, okay, honey, you hungry? I'll go get you a sandwich. No, that wasn't the case uh-huh. with us. Um, so I never knew him to do that, as I say, flying solo, so to speak. Um, but there was the um, choking, the asphyxiation that he liked to do to me and he wanted me to do to him. There was that exchange. Yeah. So there's this discrepancy that uh, didn't ring true to me for this this type of scenario and i thought hmm i and you know psychics and astrologers and the metaphysics have always been a very um strong part of my life since i was a kid and um i have uh, a few that i've i've have turned to in over the years and it's in the book that i said okay you got to give me a little you know little hint here as to what you think happened and they said foul play and I said, okay, that's kind of what my gut feeling is telling me because something's not right. And um, that was one of the reasons why I decided to start an investigation myself because I wasn't getting answers. And, um, you know, the timeliness or untimeliness of Michael Jackson and the Farrah Fawcett passing away around the same time frame, it took um, the emphasis off of David and that whole thing and then on to something else. So nothing else came out about... You know, the circumstances really why he died, other than, from my impression, the press, it was accidental autoerotic asphyxiation, and it's, it's just like, no, no, it's just not right. So I started making phone calls, and um, I actually talked to Dr. Um, Stephen Pitts first, and like, okay, you know, how do you go about investigation? And he gave me some hints as to how to structure my, in my work, and um, I, I started making those phone calls, and... I had uh, a key person read off the autopsy report out of Bangkok to me, and I think they missed checking into some things. And, you know, I called the police over there and didn't get phone calls back. Sometimes people did call me back, and um, I got a hold of one of the autopsy pictures, and what I saw in that just did not fit the scenario of an accidental uh, act. It, It just didn't. And yes. uh it was very disturbing.
2: Yes, you made a lot of calls and, and basically what many of the psychics and what you your own investigation and what, what other people had written too in some magazine articles. Yes um, um Mark Ebner, uh in Maxim Magazine, he he actually went to, to
3: Thailand and, and to the hotel and tested that clothes bar and didn't wouldn't have supported David's weight to to you know, cause him to to die like that.
2: Yes, so, because it wouldn't have caused the noose. Right. He would have fallen rather than the noose. Or, or the, being the bar would have been his way, way, like or
3: so I personally think that he died you know, in bed, um, and I think it was purposeful and then they moved him to the closet. That's that's what I'm concluding. And uh, one psychic actually the day that David passed away said he and speaking through David's spirit um that he was upset that he couldn't understand why he was in bed and he's waking up in a closet.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I just took that and set that aside because you know it's from a psychic and okay uh, and then I read Mark Ebner's article and then I did my own investigation and I'm like, well, now that makes sense.
2: Yes, but tell tell us what they said. Um
3: well, is that um my opinion is that um uh David uh connected up with a couple of people. And, uh, went up to the room and, uh, engaged in, in an act in the asphyxiation and the other people took it over the line. And David always had a lot of money on him, uh, when he did, when he would do a film, uh, he wore expensive watches, he was a very generous tipper, a uh, very gregarious man in entertaining people, so he would draw attention. And I think he was targeted.
2: Yes, yeah, so that these people um, went with him, uh, perhaps had sex with him, had some kind of right. sexual activity, and um, per- per- you're thinking that he- they purposely killed him in order to rob him.
3: That's my belief. That's my belief. Well, Cause In that autopsy picture, there's the marks around his neck, and um, you don't get that with just this autoerotic or erotic asphyxiation. You don't know. It's over the line what I, what I saw, in my opinion.
2: Yes, and well, it certainly was mysterious how there was no help from uh, the Thailand police, or they they wouldn't let people see the video in the from the hotel.
3: Right. Um, there
2: was, certainly seemed to be a cover-up going on.
3: It, it felt that way. It certainly felt that way. It still feels that way.
2: Well, we need to take a break now. We will be back and talk more about uh, David Carradine and his wife, my guest, his ex-wife, my guest, Marina Anderson. It still it's you know, with your, this, this loving tribute in a way, um, you know, it sort of continues certainly your relationship and, and one can feel the love from every page, even with the downsides to it. The, the book is called David Carradine, The Eye of My Tornado. My guest is Marina Anderson and we will be back uh, hearing more about this. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
4: Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network.
5: every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel.
0: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Marina Anderson. She is um, the ex-wife of David Caradine. Her new book is David Caradine: The Eye of My Tornado. And <laughs> since I don't want to do to you what actually happened within your uh, marriage where you devoted yourself, you lost yourself and devoted yourself totally to uh, revivifying his career, sure,
3: totally. Um, as his manager and the wife, I, I, you know, I wore like seven different hats, and and you know what you do for love, right? Yes. And,
2: and so I want to mention that you yourself are, uh, as I'm sure many of my listeners know already, are an established actress um, in television and movies, uh, including Ghost Whisperer and Desperate Housewives. Um, you also do, <laughs> I mean, you're your list of accomplishments is is um incredibly long uh <laughs> obviously now as an author but also as a freelance writer a voiceover artist a producer makeup artist personal manager publicist jewelry designer and career consultant um and and others and a bunch others <laughs> um, and so obviously you were you were very successful and continue to be successful in your own right once you were able to uh I guess uh find yourself again after it took after a while. Having, yes, after having been in this marriage. Yes. Um before we get to that, um you you mentioned during the break that you wanted to, and I wanted to ask you um what the update is with this investigation or or, or lack of into his death. Well, you know, what's it, interesting what
3: came out recently is uh, David's widow uh, filed um a wrongful death lawsuit against the production company. And there was uh, one article I read, I believe it was online, Um, uh, they were supposed to have an an assistant to, um, you know, make sure David, you know, had things taken care of for him and and to, like, kind of shadow him, so to speak. And um, that night, evidently, um, or supposedly, uh, the assistant called David for dinner, and David didn't answer the phone, and then the person left for dinner, and when David called, they were already at the dinner, and they just kind of left him to fend for himself. Is my understanding from what I read? Um, even without reading that, my experience with David personally is he really did need someone to like. Okay, it's such and such time we need to get to here, but you know, a reminder and to make sure that he didn't get distracted. And it was um, he was constantly losing things. I mean, it was there's some very comical moments traveling together and, and whatnot, even at home so um he he really should have had someone with him so i'm i'm all on board with what she's doing um and uh you know i hope to get to the bottom of it but um yes that just came to to light recently
2: yes and that's so sad because you know those kinds of um moments in time where one little thing you know seemingly little thing can change uh change what well, can be the difference between life and death. Exactly. And and even to the point where when we were together, I would say to, to
3: David, you know, don't wear that watch, or no, you're not going to take that in cash. And, and, you know, had he not done other things, maybe he would still be alive. So um, yes. all these different elements, and that's where I go to the astrologer, and say, okay, what was it in his chart that indicated blah, 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 and... Uh, it helps just, I think, bring some more understanding to a, a really horrid circumstance. And, and again, part of my reason for putting this in the book was, um I know I wanted to take some of the embarrassment and the stigma about talking about these, quote, taboo subjects and especially when it comes to sexual issues or, or incest and people, I think, one, they might be afraid of tapping into their own emotions or or um, not being believed, as victims often aren't, um, especially kids. And uh, I just, I kind of, uh, like, you know, rally with them. In fact, one of my book signings, I'm donating my personal proceeds, to Children of the Night, helps get kids off the streets and out of prostitution. So I want to bring some more uh, good out of this book to other people. And, yes, well, uh, let's
2: get into that, because as a psychiatrist, of course, the part that, I mean, you know was, all of it was fa- what what was what was really um admirable as well as uh, fascinating was how you told the whole story um without censoring yourself you know other than worrying um and we'll talk about that about x uh for other not wanting to hurt other people you were incredibly um forthcoming with 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 your life with the story and, of course, I guess the most um, honest uh, or the most, you know, I guess what was most difficult to reveal and one of the most difficult things was your own experience as a child with incest, right. which, of course, um, was such a fascinating uh, part of what attracted you. And to talk about that, that that was unconsciously what attracted you to David. So tell us your story, starting with your own childhood. Uh, well, with my own, I, I had the most,
3: adoring, loving father. However, he did have uh, an anger issue where he would just like explode every once in a while. And um, it wasn't until I got older that I knew I could like maybe defend myself or something, but he would just verbally explode into anger and, and one time he, he grabbed a, a knife from the kitchen and came after me with that knife and I ran for my life to my room and my mother intervened and it sounds comical and, to me now looking back on it with, you know, oatmeal flying all over the room and everything and, and my slamming the door and, you know, God forbid my mother wasn't there, who knows what would have happened. That only happened once, but nevertheless, that one time totally can change everything and, it did, but I really wasn't conscious of how it changed me or how it tweaked me. And then his brother, uh, my Uncle Al, um, uh, was uh, molesting me uh, off and on. And it wasn't a sexual intercourse, but the hands-on, the lascivious looks, the innuendos, that can also taint uh, a child and their perceptions of men and relationships and what attracts you to somebody or what doesn't. And David was the first person with brown eyes that I fell in love with. There were always blue or green eyes. Well, my uncle had brown eyes. Things like that. And, you know, I noticed those over the years, but I really couldn't put all the pieces together until it just totally crystallized with the relationship with David. So I I am explicit about talking about all of that, and I, I felt I had to because it had everything to do with why I was drawn to David. There was a certain mystique about him and um, just an attitude and, and it was just a certain attraction and I didn't realize what it was until I was <laughs> eyeballed into the relationship um, when when he revealed about the incest and and his part.
2: So, yes, you know, it, what color eyes did your father have? My father had brown eyes. Okay, you know, it's interesting because... David was sort of a combination yes, of your father and your uncle. Right. I mean both your father issues. and your uncle were dangerous men. David was dangerous, but right. um you know, one was dangerous, um, physically your father, you know, was, was more of a threat to you physically. Right. And your uncle was of course a threat sexually and right. David actually uh embodied both of those he in did. the funny how that is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Freud knew what he was talking
6: about.
2: <laughs> so, um, so tell yeah. us about your relationship with him and then the secret, his secret that you found out after you were already um, involved with him.
3: Well, it, it's funny, when I knew David as a friend, because I was friends with his previous wife, Gail, when I worked on the show and I would go over to the house often enough, and I would see the anger explosions between the two, and and hear things and whatnot. And I remember saying to a, to a girlfriend of mine, "Thank God I'm not married to that man." And then you go fast forward, and I saw the, this this soul, this you know, who's desperately reaching out to be helped. And there was that thing in me like, I can help him. I can fix that. And it made me feel better within myself about myself that. I can do this for this person. I can help him get sober, blah, 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 blah. And that was part of the falling in love with him, the vulnerability that he had, and a very childish, um, uh, I don't know, perception about certain things and, and the way he, he reacted with me. It was, it was, we were very, very much like kids together, and I, I felt like we were two little broken souls and clinging to each other to help each other heal and that's how I kind of looked at it. But when he revealed the incest to me, I immediately thought, oh, this is my lesson to forgive. This is my lesson to heal from my uncle. This, this is why I'm in the, in the relationship, to help me get through my stuff, and we're going to work together on this. Well, I wanted to work on it. I wanted to work with this ex-person with it. They were willing to, but David was not. And fast forward through the years, he still didn't. The healthier I got... The more I could not deal with these main issues. And, and it, it broke us apart.
2: Yes, and, and, uh, and that was, of course, very poignant how it was right when you were in therapy and wanted to get to that deep secret, yes. the incest, that uh, he couldn't face it, and, and ultimately uh, that was the final straw. Right. Well, we need to take another break. My guest is Marina Anderson. Her book is David Carradine, The Eye of My Tornado. Uh, Really an unflinching account of their life together and her love for him and his love for her. When we come back, we'll hear more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with ARENA, broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about David Carradine and looking at him through the eyes of a woman who loved him. And she has expressed her love and all her... Um, and her her mission to try to make uh sexual issues less taboo because then people would be able to get help more more easily um, about them with them rather than being so afraid at looking at them uh Marina Anderson the author of David Caradine the eye of my tornado um, before the break we were talking about um, David's um, incest, you know, that her, well, Marina's I- experience of incest with her uncle, and David's um, admitting to her, um, well, I'll t- let you take it from there.
3: Uh, well, he, he revealed uh, incest with how I just uh, addressed it in the book as X. There is no gender, there is no name. I did not feel it was um, necessary by any means to out anybody, because that was not my purpose um, my purpose was to, again, bring out the subject, which had everything to do with some considerable problems within the marriage, and what led one thing into another, in addition to these sexual issues and and uh, habits that David was into, and that I really wasn't, but, you know, when you're really into a relationship, you you compromise, and you think, oh, I can deal with this, and 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 you adjust accordingly, you know, over the years, and um, it, it can take its toll, because if it's not the core of who you are in your true being, then you're compromising yourself in a bad way, I felt. so. Um, but when he came forward with that, see, we had a pact of no secrets, no lies. And, um, of course, this was during the time he was drinking very heavily, he did reveal this. However, um it, it is a fact and um um I have communicated with that person off and on and um they have gotten help for themselves and uh you know, kudos. So um that yes, was they something... must have
2: taken it especially I mean like you, um it must have been especially difficult for them when David died, not just because of missing him, but but really without having resolved um these issues
3: it's, it's difficult on, on everybody all the way around and you know um, uh, again it's you know I, I, my purpose is to help take embarrassment and, and stigma out of people talking about the, you know mm-hmm. these issues and um, I, I hope I'm accomplishing that <clears throat> in in the book um, by, by putting it all out there and uh, f- to get healing and closure uh, it was Never, ever, my intent to exploit our relationship or anybody else.
2: Well, I think the book does do that. In, in first of all, you know, people have to—they uh, mm-hmm. see your honesty in talking about these things uh, when they read the book.
6: Mm-hmm. And
2: also, you know, as I was starting to say before the break, how I mean, your, if he had gotten help for that, oh, um, I, I probably would have stayed married to
3: him. I mean, if he had gotten help for that, we would have addressed it. You know, and, and, uh, maybe gotten some, some other closure or whatnot and, and that was the one thing I was waiting for at the end and, and that last counseling session that never happened. And that was my answer. There was no working, uh, around it, through it, nothing. That was it. Dead because end.
2: that's what caused him to, to indulge in alcohol, you know, the, you know, hiding, escape from this secret, escape from the pain, escape from, I mean, there were lots of things. All of things.
3: He was escaping from uh, totally lots of demons, and but during the six years we were together, he was off alcohol, and um, I must say I, I feel like it was one of the main incentives for him to do that. Like I said, after we separated, maybe six months later, I started hearing reports that he had been drinking, and then I found out for myself that he was. So well, you
2: um, were you were providing him with unconditional love. You were his everything. You were his lover, his wife, his manager, his babysitter, right? His his everything. Yeah. And yeah. um that he was so uh, um fragile in a way. I mean, it's so ironic because he played such in some of his uh movies and television, he played such strong, you know, the warrior, right?
3: Oh, Totally. That was the bravado of David David was an extremely sensitive extremely shy and insecure person and uh much of that is that just that uh image of how he he protected himself and and uh you know uh had that just wall up and that image that he projected which was very convincing <laughs> and as far as the love um short story uh, he to the very end he was wearing a, a duplicate of our wedding ring i don't know if The widow knew that or not, but I ran into him in the store, and I recount this in the book of how he lost his wedding ring, but then he was wearing like almost the exact duplicate, and he said it was
2: chosen for him. I think he, um, I think he was hoping that that uh, his new wife would be as caring and devoted and so on as you were, and of course, um, well. I had that, or he obviously was still carrying a torch because
3: I, I said to him, "I said, there's no way you can't look at that ring and not think of our, our well, our yes, wedding.
2: that too, yes.
3: Uh, so I, I you know I, I don't know really what went on between the two of them, and it wouldn't be fair for me to even attempt to try,
2: right? But I, but I know mean, there, what, yes, what we had it had to reveal some kind of wish in a sense that it, that it still was a marriage, right? Um, that was like yours or wi- with you. Um uh you know, you, I, I wonder, one thing that I noticed was that you didn't write anything about David's childhood. I mean, other, other than um, perhaps this, well, this incest was more when he was, well, you do talk about perhaps he was sexually abused as well and that that's what caused him to, to um, be the perpetrator. Right, right. It's, it's,
3: usually that's, you know, you being a psychiatrist <laughs> like could tell, usually that's, what happens? I didn't address his child because he wrote his own autobiography that's already out there I didn't need to cover that territory again and um so I thought no no I'm just going to take that from this point on and when I actually started writing the book in the year 2000 um I was just making notes to just save my sanity I was just venting and writing letters I never gave to him or sent or whatever and I just filed it away and it just kept building and building So um,
2: Yes, you wanted people to know about that, that actually you started this book in 2000. It was a year before you separated, and it was not to capitalize on the fact that he was in the news because of his his death.
3: No, it was definitely not. In fact, I had a different version of it where it was just all very fluffy Hollywood wives, ex-wives, and that sort of thing. And it always felt like there was something missing, and then I started really addressing my own issues and writing about it, like about my uncle and whatnot. And I thought, well, this is going to have some, some, more purpose behind it. And then over the years, I would, our counters and how I felt about running into David again and like kind of like mini diary. And then when he passed away, I was like, you know what? There's a bigger thing to, to do here. And I have, I think I have a bigger mission mm-hmm. to accomplish. And in a way, I, I, feel David's behind me in, in helping do what he couldn't on this earth plane he is now doing from the other side
2: to you help know, people. Yes. And what kind of reaction have you gotten from David's family or ex-wives? I, you know what?
3: I, I haven't gotten any. I have not heard from them. I, I was extremely close with his younger brother, Robert, and his wife and their kids. And about three days after David passed away, they stopped talking to me. I don't know if it's because they heard I was doing a book and or uh, I had gone to the press. And, and I only went to the press because I wanted to put a stop to the, I was doing damage control again for David. I didn't want the exploitation. I didn't want people's last memory of him to be in this horrid thing. I wanted to bring what his artwork was and whatnot. So I called Inside Edition and I called Access Hollywood because they were there for us in the beginning of rebuilding his career and his image, and they interviewed me and we, we I showed the, his, the pin that he designed for me and, and talked about the good things about David, so they really came to bat for me. But I don't know if the family understood that. I have no idea. They've never explained, which is really sad. I mean, it, it, I can go to tears thinking about it because I was really, I just adored his family.
2: Yes, and so it was not only losing him, but it was also losing the family, any kind of connection to him.
3: Exactly. Although his older brother, Bruce, Bruce understood. And um, I I still, uh, I I talked to him maybe about a month ago. So he's still open to taking my phone calls.
2: Has he read the book or has he talked to you about the book? You know what, I I don't
3: know yet because the book just came out, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to give him a buzz (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a few days and and at least let him know and and see. So, yeah, yes, I, I I adored his family. I still do.
2: You know that that was. Um, I mean, I could see you that same desire to rescue him that that uh, caused you to to rescue him and his career over all the years. Even before you were married, you started doing that, right? Right, <laughs> right. And it was really eight years. I mean, two years that you knew were with him before, right? Um, well, I knew him since. Well, I, we met in the
3: seventies, but I, I started knowing him more as a friend in nineteen ninety two. And when we first moved in together in 95, September 8th of 1995, yeah, I was working for him, like, you know, trying to get his his connections going. That's when I introduced him to Quentin Tarantino. It was the Toronto Film Festival 1995.
2: Yes, all of these seeds that you laid, despite his own self-sabotage, as you describe it, um, you know, all these connections that you would... That you would make for him, trying to reconnect him to people uh, in the industry or make new connections with people that would uh, that ultimately paid off, and of course none as as much as Tarantino and kill Bill right um and then at the by the time that came out
3: <laughs> by the time it came out, we were divorced um i I saw practically nothing out of that at all. People think, "Oh, you made off with millions, Matt." Nah. <laughs> Hardly the picture, and uh, I, I write about it with intensity in the book, and I, I, I pretty much had a, a, a breakdown during that time, and if it wasn't for my beautiful, beloved Kali Lulu, who was Lassie's sister, she passed away two, two years ago, I don't think I'd be talking
2: to you right now. Yes, yes, Well, we need to take a break, and then you can continue talking. <laughs> okay. My guest is Marina Anderson. Her book is David Caradine, The Eye of My Tornado. We're talking about him through the eyes of a woman who loved him. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk.
1: Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King she's here to help you through books CDs and helplines having trouble relaxing check out her relaxation CD has the fear of terrorism crippled your life call the terrorism hotline and if you're having trouble with relationships check out her book bad boys Dr. Carol wants to help you today so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com.
4: Are you a wow, a wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Marina Anderson. Her new book uh, called David Caradine: The Eye of My Tornado, very apt title that is that is what it yeah. was um going going on around you at all times whether it was passion or or um or some adventure went wrong or <laughs>
6: yes <laughs> right was, um, yeah. he,
2: david was kind of a funny character uh, a
3: lot of the time and um he was totally unpredictable as to what was going to happen the next minute with david i can laugh about certain things now when they were happening i was like screaming um But there's some very very funny moments in the book, Um, and and I had this whole section devoted to stories of people that were were friends of David who worked with him, and some of these stories are so funny and poignant, and uh, it gives a a whole other side to David that people aren't aware of and and never knew, and um, I really cover the bases. I felt it was a very heavy responsibility of of, to do that, and to make sure that this was a well-rounded thing, not just. uh, Ex-wife bitching. No, this isn't that by any means. And um and, and some of my recounts of David are, 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 I, I look at it with such fondness and, and I laugh because it was, he was such a character. It was Mr. Toad's
2: wild ride, literally. <laughs> yes. Now, I think that anyone who has been, you know, women or men for that matter, who have been Anyone who has been in a in a relationship where they were so in love with this person and devoted themselves to this person and and were taken on a wild ride by this person and went along, um, you know, of course there were funny time. I mean, of course there had to be a reason for staying, in it yeah, yeah. Psychological,
6: yeah. You
3: know,
2: unconscious <laughs> reasons. I mean, he was. It was wonderful going to all these uh premieres and the Oscars, and I mean, there was there was this glamorous side to it too. That of course you actually, you know. Allowed or, or, um, permitted people, made the arrangements, got it done so that people could be reminded of or get to see all David's talents, you know, that, so that he would have the opportunities, like he right. ultimately did in Kill Bill, um, have the opportunities to show the size of his talent. And, um, uh, you know, what, what's also another interesting part to this was how you actually met him when you were, um, young, um, before you actually met him in this other, you know, when you were older and then started the romance. So tell us about that.
3: Well, I was taking acting lessons on the Warner Brothers lot and I wandered over on a break to the sound stage that was partially open. It was like this black abyss with all these, you know, candle flickering lights, like hundreds of them. And I was just like drawn into the sound stage and nobody was there, but I had a sense somebody was looking at me from behind and I turned around. And it was David and um my my recollection was i was just some babbling you know young uh 20 something year old and um he invited me back i remember i never went back for whatever reason maybe they weren't filming a particular day or something and then you fast forward i'm auditioning for his show and i get the guest star role on his show but it was also very fortuitous um, because we had mutual friends in common, and I almost had met him several times in between. I mean, it was like I was destined to be with this man. And um, and so, th- hence, we got married on the Warner Brothers lot on Laramie Street, which no longer exists. They tore it down. But it was the most wonderful, fun wedding, and uh, we had the whole street to ourselves, and the studio was really behind us and the whole thing. And it was fabulous. And, and we had two actors dressed up in Western gear to kidnap me and, put me in the white limo and he
2: goes charging off in his white limo after me instead of horses.
6: <laughs> so,
3: it
2: was fabulous. Yeah, it um, does there does seem to be a bit of destiny in that. Yes. And 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 the candles, you know, the drama <laughs> of the yes. first meeting um really was a good <laughs> reflection of what was to come. Yes, it
3: it definitely was. Um and then there were the, the lighter moments that I, I tell in the book of very funny things. I mean, driving with David was just like, oh my god. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was a very heavy smoker and ashes would kind of go everywhere. So he'd be sitting in a red light. The light would go green and he'd be puttering around, you know, Fixing the ashes and getting them away from the gear shift and people honking their horn and flipping in the finger going around and going, David, we're going to get rear-ended. We're going to get rear-ended. We're move the car. Move the car. Now let him wait. <laughs> it was just, oh my God. Um, just things like that. And uh, absent-minded, every once in a while he would forget his dog at a store and he'd come home and I'd go, oh, so, so did you put Thunder in the backyard? No. Well, where is he? Uh, and he'd go to the car. I think I left him at the store, <laughs> you know. I at one point I even had the the, the press news crews because we thought he was kidnapped, the dog was kidnapped at one point. And then this is after we separated and he evidently got him back but didn't tell me and and here I have like CBS out to the, the point in Hollywood where the dog was dog napped and he didn't tell me he got the dog back <laughs> and I'm screaming at him.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was just amazing. amazing <laughs> it was kind of, you know, he sort of lived in his own world to some he did.
3: extent. He did, definitely. He had, it was David's world.
2: <laughs> yes. And, of course, uh, of course, it got kind of frustrating at times to be a part of it and to be, um, to get the, you know, you were talking before about, about, um, with Kill Bill, that, uh, well, one of the frustrating things was how he wouldn't, how hmm. David wouldn't, um, acknowledge how much you actually did getting hmm. him sober, getting his career resuscitated, no, and so on. He,
3: unless he was egged on, he never thanked me, and, um, I, you know, there were very, uh, trying moments, and it, I was really, you know, burned out towards the end there, and we tried to get pregnant, and that didn't happen, and I'm very open about that, and, uh, what we went through and for one simple test we could have saved thousands of dollars in emotional heartache and whatnot. It's so an antibody test. And um it, but there's a funny moment too. Now I kind of find it funny, but at the moment of implantation of that embryo and that IVF procedure, his cell phone goes off. You know? Yes. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> thank you David. You know? So yeah. um yeah, at least I can laugh about certain things now, but I'm, I tell you at the time, knew I was not laughing.
2: Yes. It's, um, uh, of course, you know, it, I mean, it was, there were lots of ups and downs, and, and yes. I guess uh, finally it was, I mean, it's amazing that you hung in there for that long, even with all the ups. I was still in love with him
3: when we separated, and when I filed for that divorce, it, I was still in love with the man four years afterwards, and um, I put all that to rest when my collie passed away, and there was an incident when I had talked to him, and He turned his back and helping me out with uh, a couple of vet bills for her and I just, it was a very quiet, calm feeling of closing the door to him. And then when David passed away, it all opened up again and it was like, wow, those emotions, you know, really hit. So I still have great love for the man and for the Johnny and I always called him Johnny. That was the Johnny part of him that I still love.
2: Yes, and it was, um, it was, you know, here he knew that, that, that Lulu, your collie, meant so much to you, and his turning away from you was right. more than just not handing you a few hundred dollars or whatever it was. Right. It was that he could, he, he was being so insensitive to see, to not give you back, you know, after everything you had given him, and here this was like such a the trauma. I mean, it was so, right. Otherwise you he he wouldn't he have called out.
3: him. I mean, he, he helped choose my, my beautiful Lulu. Yes, and he had an emotional attachment to her as well, and, yes. and I couldn't figure that one out.
2: Yes, I guess it was like turning his back on your baby. It was it, a baby it, you exactly. never
3: had. It's okay to okay you can turn your back on me, but not to my my little girl. Yes, and she yes. was my my kid. because I don't have kids. I was all my animals have been my kids, but she yes. that dog was extremely special to me. She was my service dog. She was a, a board certified therapy dog. She helped others. We did animal fundraisers. Um, and and she performed in a lot of TV shows and, and movies and commercials. She was a Ralph Lauren model.
2: <laughs> yes, that was very cute the way you did it for her, like you had done for David.
3: Exactly, exactly. Um, it was um, a, a way to to uh, divert the pain, and she loved it. I mean, it was you know, it's in her blood.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Well, what do you expect the child to actors? Yes. <laughs> Well again the book is called David Caradine the eye of my tornado my guest and the author of the book is Marina Anderson and Marina thank you much thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing thank you so much and being so honest about these things and and yes i'm sure that um, that not only can people read and and identify with and get help from this whole idea of of being in, getting in touch with um, whatever sexual issues there are in you, but also so many people, I was starting to say, can, can relate to um, being uh, caught up in a tornado, being so in love with someone and giving your all to someone and realizing that the reason why you don't get thank yous is because the person doesn't want you to abandon them. If they, right. if they uh, lift you up you know, or thank you too much, you'll get too strong and then you might leave them. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you again, and again, um, I really recommend this book. Again, it's called David Carradine, The Eye of My Tornado. So I wish you tons of success with it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.